Okay, it's me again. Sorry, I'm on double duty tonight. <laughs> Up uh, with the guitars and the speaking. So does everyone have a uh, outline? Everyone should have one. Look around on your table. Uh, on the pile of papers and plates. Yes. And pamphlets. Yes. Okay, does everyone see the, the title here? Oh. We're continuing our journey in Exodus. And we're in a new stage. We're in a new stage in Exodus. So let's go ahead and read the title all, to, all together. Ready, set, go. <laughs> One more time. Ready, go. The experiences of Mara and Elam. Experiences. Two experiences here. And uh, I don't know if you remember all the way back to Neil's message, the very first message in our new series on, on, on Exodus here. Um, Neil gave us an overview of the entire book and uh, outlined the book for us in just a couple of words. And that was to give us a, uh, it was to contextualize our, our view, basically to bring us into context. What's the context and what's the bird's eye view of Exodus and what are we going to be trying to see in the book of Exodus? And uh, my question is, does anybody remember that? Yes. Does anybody remember that? Yes. Chris does. Maybe all of y'all weren't here, so you're off the hook if you weren't here. But uh, does anyone want to try and re recite just the, the words Neil, ga Neil gave us? Any takers? If Josh Sheridan were here, he would have had it because I made up a, anyways, I made up a rap and told him about it. And that's how I've remembered it. But, um, okay, so no, one, no one's got it, huh? I once was enslaved, but now I'm redeemed and saved. What's next? I'm being led. And then we were led to the mountain. We receive revelation. And then the revelation finishes out basically about the last 20 chapters of the book. And it's a, a revelation of God's house. So there's building involved. So enslaved, redeemed, saved, led, fed, revelation, and building. That's the whole context of the book of Exodus. And if you can read the four words we have under the word Exodus, can you all see those? I know it's a little hard. But we got salvation, provision, revelation, and building. So those four words, I don't know if you've noticed them yet on the background, it is a bird's eye view, just like Neil gave us. And salvation, in salvation, is everything we've talked about up to this point, everything we've talked about. And mainly what we've seen in the first stage of Exodus is God's salvation. And that salvation includes three things. The Passover. That's right. Uh, remember, remember all the messages on the Passover? So awesome. T-Walk was sharing a couple weeks ago, right? We're in the house. And in the Passover, what the salvation involves is salvation from God's judgment. So the blood's on the doorpost, and God doesn't look inside to see who's in there. That's good news. That's good news. You know when you receive the Lord, you know what the Lord does not do? He doesn't look inside the house. To see what, what filthy sinners are in there. They're covered by the blood. So wherever you've been this semester, maybe you've had a dirty semester. Maybe there's been some sins that have come up. The blood is here. The blood is on the doorpost. And you need to remember in every Christian meeting, in every gathering of believers, you go through a door with blood on it. The entrance into the house has blood. And we're not sorrowful in the house. We're feasting. Amen. We've been spared God's judgment. And we're rejoicing and we're eating. So that was, that was T-Walk on the 
Passover. And then John, I think it was last week, right? John shared, he covered the the next two stages in uh, the first point on salvation, which was Exodus and baptism. And Exodus, the the part of salvation we enjoy in Exodus, remember this all on salvation. In the Exodus, we're saved from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, remember, is a type of Satan in the world. And all, all people in the world are, are enslaved. And, and, the, and Exodus specifically, specifically calls Egypt the slave house. So in, in the Exodus, we're saved from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And the third point in the, in the first stage of salvation, I hope you all are following this, is the crossing of the Red Sea. And who, who, who went into the Red Sea? Two parties went in, right? All the children of Israel and all of the army of Egypt. And so in baptism, you know what we're saved from? We're saved from the armies of Egypt. That means the world forces that are trying to pull you back and uh, bring you back into the slavery of the world that you're trying to leave. Okay, so that's all the first stage of salvation. And that becomes the base, that becomes the base for the rest of our experiences in Exodus. And that's important because when you got baptized and when you got saved, certain spiritual realities happened regardless of whether you felt them or not. And so I know some people recently have been baptized. Hudson, praise the Lord, brother. has recently been baptized right here right here right here that's awesome that's awesome and uh, if you haven't been baptized if you haven't been baptized uh, you really need to consider it in fact that is God's counsel to you there's a verse in Luke that says the Pharisees rejected the counsel of God because they had not been baptized you know what God counsels you to do get into the water amen and remember John shared that verse they were crying out to God he says stop crying out to me I've already prepared a salvation for you move forward and and what was right in front of them was the baptistry God had prepared in his creation the Red Sea so if you haven't been baptized God, it's like I've, I've prepared the answer. All the things you're struggling with, all the armies that keep trying to enslave you, all the tyranny of Pharaoh, everybody that's chasing you, just move into the water. And you will see the salvation of Jehovah. That's what it says right after that. Okay, so now with those three things behind us, we're in a new realm. We're in a new realm. If you've had these three experiences, you are in a new realm. And it's a realm of separation and, re- and uh, resurrection. It's a realm of separation and resurrection. And this starts stage two. Stage two. In our, if you look at it according to these four words, we're now in the stage of being led and fed. And there's a huge difference between these first two stages, a huge difference, which is very important to know. Otherwise, you want to understand your experiences, which we're going to see are going to be very contradictory to what we might have imagined God's leading would be. And the difference is this. In the first stage of Passover, Exodus, and crossing the Red Sea, all 
of God's operation is mainly outward. It's mainly outward. You're spared God's judgment, you're delivered from the world, and you're in a new realm. Mainly all outward. I mean, I know there was, you know, Tiwak hit the 18 verses on eating, but that's kind of like introductory, kind of like transitional into the next stage here. And in stage two, all of the experiences are mainly inward, mainly inward. And if you don't understand that, you're not going to understand why God is going to lead you the way he does. Okay, so that's just a little kind of uh, context here for tonight's message on Mara and Elam. Let's go ahead and read point one here. Y'all see that? Point one, ready, set, go. Okay, I wanted to put this verse on there, because, and, and I know John mentioned it, and I think T-Walk mentioned it, but it's very, very important for us to realize, uh, you know, we did three semesters on Genesis, right? Yeah. And I, I'm a little worried that if I were to ask all of y'all, what was Genesis all about? We're going to be very hazy. I'm going to be very hazy, right? But hopefully y'all remember some, you know, certain big picture items from, uh, from Genesis, right? Well, we're going to spend a lot of time in Exodus, and after it's all said and done, this is one point I want y'all to remember. Yeah. Exodus is a picture book. Yeah. Exodus is a book of pictures, and that's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. I'll read the verse for you. And he says this after detailed, uh, a detailed recounting of specific experiences the children of Israel had in their history. He tells them, you know, they did this, they crossed the Red Sea, they were baptized in the cloud and the seed of Moses, they ate the manna, they, they drank the spiritual um, drink, they had the spiritual rock following them, they did all these things. And then he says this, which should, which should stop us and really make us consider. He says, now these things happened to them as types, as types, and they were written for our admonition. Unto whom the ends of the ages have come. So the point here is everything we're reading in Exodus is a spiritual picture of realities that we're experiencing in the New Testament. So we already have seen that. Passover typifies our salvation from God's judgment. Crossing the Red Sea typifies our baptism. And this is true in all the experiences in Exodus. So now with going to Mar and Elam, we have to ask... Lord, what's the deeper denotation here? And what's the spiritual significance of these experiences? Okay, let's just jump right into it. Let's read number two all together. Ready, set, go. Okay, Let, yeah, let's go ahead and read number, uh, letter A. Ready, set, go. Okay, what? We're led to a place of what? Why would God lead us to a place of bitterness? Why would God do that? They weren't wandering around and, and stumbled upon a place of bitterness. The same pillar of cloud that led them seemingly contradictory to a dead end at the Red Sea... 
that just happened in chapter 14, remember that? And, and they were like, why did God lead us here? That was a huge mistake. You know, he led us to a dead end and now we're trapped and Pharaoh's going to destroy us. That was God's wisdom so that they could experience baptism. Okay, that same cloud now leads them in a three-day journey into a place with no water. No water. So it's really, really funny. Actually, it, you can think of it like this. Exodus 15 is a chapter on water. Yeah. It starts out with the praise of Moses, and they're praising, they're celebrating. You know, the Lord casts the horse and the rider into the sea. That's right. But all of a sudden, they come to another water. They come to bitter water. Well, first they go three days with no water. And I think the praise song stopped at that time, you know. <laughs> they were singing. They were, you know, it said Miriam got out the tambourine. I don't know if you knew that. She had a tambourine. She's like, ta 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 And she, she did her own little composition. And she was like, ta 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 I don't know if that tambourine was sounding on that third day, you know. I don't know. I think she probably put the tambourine up, you know. And they're looking around and they're like, what is God doing? It's like, it's almost like, does, does God know what he's doing? Maybe he's got the bronze, right? He's got the, the he can flex the, the arm of Jehovah and do, you know, mighty things to rescue us. Yeah. But then when it comes to intelligent leading and, uh, you know, it's like, I don't know, I don't think he's got the brains, you know. I don't know what he's doing here. He's leading us to a realm with no water. Okay, then they come upon water. And probably that tambourine was starting to come back out. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. He did, you know, he was faithful and led us to water. And then they got to the water, and you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't drink it. The water was bitter. The water was bitter. Okay, so let's, let's read these verses uh, in Exodus 15, 22 to 24. Y'all see those? Ready, set, go. So there you go. That's, that's the setting there. And uh, two questions. I want you to write down these two questions. I'm going to ask you all. And we're going to answer these. Uh, man, time's already flying. But we're going to answer these here tonight. Yeah. Question one. Why does God lead us to Mara? That's question one. I want you to think about that. Why? Mara means bitterness. So spiritually, that means after we're baptized, which is a glorious thing, it's a huge spiritual experience, why would God lead us into a place of bitterness? Bitterness is not fun, but God led us there. Why would he do that? Question one. Question two, we're going to see here that at Mara they got healed. So my second question is why does the Lord need to heal us? Yeah. Why does the Lord need to heal us? So I want you to be thinking about those two questions as we, as we continue here. Okay, we'll start to answer number one here. Um, the bitterness in the situation actually reflected the bitterness in their being. And remember, in stage two, all the experiences are going to now be inward experiences of Christ. And the first experience the Lord leads us to in this new realm of, of, of separation and resurrection, which is so positive, he leads us into a realm of bitterness. 
And the reason he does that is to expose what's within us. He wants to expose. We don't know what's within us. We don't know what's within us. And so the Lord may lead you into a bitter situation. And there's no supply, there's no resources, there's no answers, you're complaining, you're murmuring, and uh, what the Lord wants to do is show you that, number one, there's actually bitterness is within you. The bitter waters just represent and reflect the bitterness within our being. Number two, the Lord wants to show you himself. He leads you into situations like this so we can know him. We can know our God. And this passage is going to end with, I am Jehovah who heals you. So if we never got into a bitter situation, we would never know the Lord as our healer. We may hear a, a message about Jehovah as our healer. We may read a verse about healing. But we will never know the Lord as our healer until we're brought into a bitter situation. And number three, the Lord wants to heal us. Amen. So the Lord wants to expose the contents of our being. The Lord wants to reveal himself and the Lord wants to heal us. So that answers question number one. Why does God lead us there? Okay, now let's, let's read B here. And B is going to show us what we need to do when we find ourselves in a bitter situation. Let's read B. Ready, set, go. Okay, let's have all the, uh, all the brothers here read these next two verses in Exodus 15. Ready, set, go. And he cried out to Jehovah, and Jehovah showed him a tree. And he cast it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made them a statue and an ordinance, and there he tested them. And he said, I am Jehovah, who made you. Okay, let's have all the sisters on 1 Peter 2.24. Ready, set, go. Okay, isn't that an awesome verse? Great verse to pray read later. Great verse to pray read later. And I want you to circle in Exodus 15, Jehovah showed him a tree. Go ahead and circle the word tree. And then look down to 1 Peter 2.24. You're also going to find the word tree. Circle that word and draw, an, draw a line that's going to connect those two circles. And then also in Exodus 15, right at the end, I am Jehovah who heals you. Circle the word, the word heal. And then in 1 Peter 2.24, the last word healed. Circle that word and draw a line to connect them. 1 Peter 2.24 is the caption under the picture in Exodus here. The picture shows us that the cross of Christ not only redeems us from sins, it heals us from bitterness. Amen. So on the cross, Christ accomplished two main things, forgiveness of sins and healing of bitterness. Healing. And 1 Peter 2.24 shows us that that tree that Jehovah showed Moses was a picture of the cross of Christ. Yeah. 
And so what we need in bitter situations is we need to experience the cross of Christ. And what we need to do with the cross is we need to cast it. We need to cast it. Cast it into the bitter waters, which signifies our bitter being. And when we cast the crucified Christ into our bitter being, the Lord heals the bitterness within and makes it sweet. Now, um, bitterness is a horrible thing. Bitterness destroys the Christian life. Bitterness destroys the church life. Bitterness destroys your Christian service. Uh, bitterness is basically, it just, it just destroys everything. And you know when you're around a bitter person, it's just not fun. It's just not fun to have a bitter person. And when you're bitter, you may know why you're bitter. You may know that you need to get over your bitterness. But the thing, bitterness is a sickness. Just because you know the symptoms of a, of a sickness, just because you know uh, what you need to do to get better, doesn't mean you're not sick. And so the first thing we need to see is bitterness is a sickness. And we are all sick. We are all spiritually, psychologically, and at times we can even be physically sick. And we may complain to God, and we may want, to, we wait, we may want answers, and the Lord's, the Lord's not answering. And so if bitterness is not taken care of within us, it really shuts down our entire Christian experience. But praise the Lord. Exodus 15 tells us what to do. So three things here to take note of. First, first off, Moses cried out to Jehovah. It's interesting that it doesn't say Moses prayed. He's not being religious. He's being real. He's saying, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. He's just crying out. Let's, have, let's cry out to the Lord, Lord Jesus, one time. Here, ready, set, go. Lord Jesus. Okay, that's the first thing you need to do in your bitterness. Amen. You need to cry out. Yeah. Don't be religious. Don't be formal. Right. Cry out, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Maybe you need to go take a drive on the highway and roll down the windows yeah. on the upper deck at night. Talk about getting away. Yeah. And call on the Lord, Lord Jesus. Yeah. If we want to be healed of our bitterness, we need to call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. He the crucified Christ who can heal our bitterness. Okay, number two, when we do this, that's not, that's not the full solution. The Lord's going to show us a vision of the cross. The Lord's going to show us a vision of the cross. And the cross is God's unique answer to every problem. Uh, and we're going to see down here in 1 Corinthians 2.2, 2, this is Paul in Corinth, a church that had a ton of problems. They were suing each other. They were coming to the table meeting drunk. They were uh, in gross sin. They were believing heresy that there was no resurrection. They were dividing the church. And it's a horrible, horrible church. We would probably wouldn't even call it the church. And Paul said, I determined to know one thing. Yeah. My solution? Yeah. What does he say here? Jesus Christ and this one crucified. So Paul says the crucified Christ is God's unique answer to every problem we're going to face. So the Lord's going to show us a vision. You need the crucified Christ. But that's not enough either. Just to know the medicine doesn't gonna, isn't going to do it. We need to cast. We need to cast that tree. I mean, I want you to imagine this situation. They're there and there's probably like some kind of lake or pond. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a sea. And there's a tree here. 
I don't know what that tree looked like. I don't know if it was like an oak tree or just like some gnarly dead tree. I don't know what it was. And the Lord told Moses, take the tree and cast it into the waters. What a weird solution. But that tree signifies the crucified Christ, and we need to cast Christ into our bitterness. If there's bitterness in your mind, you need to cast Christ in your mind. There may be bitterness in your emotion. You may have an unforgiven offense. You remember something somebody said to you. Bitterness can creep in in any aspect of our life. The person may not even know that they offended you. And so if you're waiting for an apology, guess what? An apology ain't coming. Analysis does not heal bitterness. Well, you know, he really didn't know. He didn't know that was a hot button. You know, he didn't know that I loved that verse. He didn't know that I loved that book. He didn't know that that was my major. And he said, what are you going to do with RTF, you know? Seriously. I know people. I know someone. Who got very bitter because somebody told them, what are you going to do with RTF? Okay, analysis doesn't heal bitterness. Analysis does not heal bitterness. Even if the person apologizes, apologies do not heal bitterness. Only one thing heals the bitterness in our being, and that is the crucified Christ cast into that bitter waters. So the way we cast the crucified Christ into our bitter being is through prayer. So we need to call on the Lord, Lord Jesus. The Lord's going to show us you need the cross of Christ. And then we just by faith apply the cross to the bitterness in our being. Lord, I just cast in faith. I cast the crucified Christ into my bitter memory. Lord, I cast you as the crucified Christ into my offended emotion. Lord, I cast the crucified Christ into my stubborn will. Lord, I know I need to forgive the brother, but I just will not do it. That's bitterness. That's sickness. We need to cast the cross of Christ by faith into our bitter situations. And let me tell you this, if you can't, if you don't have strength to pick up that tree, you know, that big tree, and ugh, what do you need to do? You need to call up the brothers. That's right. Call up the brothers. Say, brothers, I need some some brothers with some big old spiritual muscles who can pick up a tree and throw that tree into the water with me. You need to text a sister. Number one, you need to admit. You need to confess, Lord, I am bitter. From the bitterness, confess. The word, the Greek word confess means homo logeo, which is same word. That means the Lord is trying to tell you, Cameron, you're bitter. You're bitter. Admit it. Okay, first step in recovery is admit you have a problem. So we need to confess, Lord, I am bitter. And then we need to call the brothers and say, brothers. I need, to, I need some casting going on here, brothers. Help me cast Christ in this situation. The Lord will heal you. Amen. The Lord will heal you. Amen. So awesome. Okay, we got to keep moving here. Um, but y'all get the picture here? Remember, Exodus is a picture book. God led you to, to a bitter situation to reveal the bitterness within you, reveal the crucified Christ, and heal you. He wants to heal the bitterness in your being. And uh, let's just go ahead and read. Um, man, it's so good. Let's read Matthew 9, 12. Let's have all the sisters on this verse. Such a good verse. Ready, set, go. You know, the Lord is a physician yeah. in his ministry. This is in the book of Matthew. 
which is on the kingdom, which is, I mean, it's got the strictest requirements in any book in the Bible. I don't know if you all have been reading it, but some of the verses, they just, they make you, wow, Lord Jesus. They make you get serious. But here the Lord says, I'm a physician, and I did not come for the strong. Those who are strong, they don't need me. They don't need me. I came for the ill. So if you're ill, raise your hand. Praise the Lord. The Lord came for you. The Lord came not to judge, but to heal. A physician, you know, anyone who goes into a a physician's office, he doesn't start writing them a ticket. He doesn't start lecturing them. Why did you do that, you idiot? He starts administering the medicine. Okay, let's, brothers, let's read Psalm 142, 1 through 2. So good. Ready, set, go, brothers. With my voice, I cry to Jehovah. With my voice, I make my supplication to Jehovah. Okay, I want you to uh, notice this uh, phrase in verse 2, I pour out my complaint before him. Okay, we need to stop the religious prayer. We need to stop the memorized prayer that we've, we've learned is good to pray. We need to pour out our complaint. We need to, when we get real with the Lord, he becomes real to us. Amen. So we, if, you're, if you have a bitterness, you need to just pour it out. Say, Lord, I'm bitter, and I just want to pour out my complaint. The Lord will heal you. Okay, and then Ephesians 4.31 here says, Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, and evil speaking be removed from you. Be removed from you. Okay, John, why don't you stand up here, bro? If I tell you, hey, bro, uh, can you remove this cup from the table? Remove the cup. Okay. It's a command, right? Remove is an imperative. Mm -hmm. But what if I tell John, John, let this cup be removed. (laughs) What am I telling him to do? Do you see? It's very different. You're kind of like, wait, do I remove it or... And so here, it doesn't say remove bitterness from yourself. It says, let bitterness be removed. Be removed is a passive imperative. I don't read you what a passive imperative is. You know, the, Paul uses this all over, the, all over the place. He says, be transformed. He doesn't say transform yourself. He doesn't say change yourself. He says, be transformed. It's a passive imperative. Here's what a passive imperative is. It's a command directed to you. In which you are not the active agent, but a recipient of another's doing. Yet, you still retain responsibility to let it happen. So to, to let bitterness be removed, the Lord is the one who removes bitterness. He's the crucified Christ, but we need to grant him access to the bitterness within and let it be removed. We do that by casting the crucified Christ into our situation. Okay, let's read number three here. Ready, set, go. Israel's experience at Elam portrays the experience of resurrection life flowing and growing. Okay, okay. So this, this brings, up, brings us to question number two. Why does the Lord need to heal you? Why does the Lord need to heal you? Not just so you can be healed. Mara is for Elam. The experience of the cross is for the experience of resurrection. And the point here is that these 12 springs are a picture of you. You're one of these springs. You're one of these 70 palm trees. 
And the spring is the resurrection life springing out of your being, flowing out of your being. Let's read John 7:38 down here. Y'all see that? Let's read it. Ready, set, go. He who believes into me, as the scripture said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So the Lord needs to heal the bitter waters within us because the Lord's desire in his economy is to flow out of us as, as living water to, to minister and quench the thirst of those around us. And if we're not healed in our being, I mean, you don't want to be flowing out that kind of water to somebody. Right. You don't want to flow out bitterness to somebody. But if, if we're not healed, we speak to somebody. You know, we're going to have the summer internship, right? Who's doing the internship this summer? Praise the Lord. Awesome. Yeah, y'all can clap. Y'all can clap. That's, a bit, that's awesome. Okay, this summer we're going to be flowing out. You know what's going to be out there on campus? Twelve springs. At that table, when you're man at the table, you're going to be flowing out resurrection life to those people around you. To quench their thirst. To supply them with a refreshing drink. to, To supply them with the spirit. But if we're bitter... If we're bitter, the Lord can't do that through us. So the Lord needs to heal us so that he can flow out of us to others. This puts this experience in the context of God's economy. Okay, let's just, uh, we're pretty much out of time here. So um, the reading's really going to flesh out these details. But I just want you to circle here on verse 38, John 7, 38. I want to circle the word flow. The springs are flowing, and in Psalm 92 it says the palm tree, he will flourish like the palm tree, he will grow. So circle the word grow. Flow and grow. That's Elam. We're flowing out resurrection life, and we're growing up in God's life for his expression. We're pretty much out of time. There's a lot that I didn't get to say that's really, really awesome. But uh, there's a good reading on the back, so let's group up. Group up with those around you, and let's dive into the reading.